What's going on, everybody? Elliot Shore Parks here. New episode of the No Huddle Show. Sadly, Matt Lombardo is not here for the podcast today. But good news, we do have a special guest, and that is Eagles cornerback Rasul Douglas. I think Douglas has had one of the most interesting stories on the team this year when you consider where he was at coming in as you know a third-round pick to being to being forced into the starting lineup early on to then going back to the bench. To I just think that his story has really been interesting. So I picked him for another reason too, and I think it's something you guys are really going to like. Me and Matt are heading down to the Super Bowl on Sunday. The team will leave. I think they probably leave at around 11 or so, and they land in Minnesota around 2 or 3. Um, so we'll be there when they get there. We're going to have video and pictures for you guys, which you can check out. But one of the reasons we uh, we picked Rasul for this podcast is because I got something cool going on with him. Throughout the next week, when he's in Minnesota, he's going to be talking to me basically every day, kind of giving a diary, a behind-the-scenes look at what a le- what life is like for a player in the Super Bowl. And it'll be interesting because, you know, obviously the Eagles have players that have played in the big game. Garrett Blunt, Chris Long. Rasul Douglas is a guy that is a rookie. And this is the first time he's ever going to experience it. So I'm excited to see what it's like behind the scenes. I've been to, this will be my fourth Super Bowl, so I have an idea of what it's going to be like. But I think you'll hear when you talk, when um, later on in the interview with Rasul, he doesn't really know what to expect. And that's something you kind of hear from a lot of players this week that haven't been there. Um, They think they're ready. They think they know what it's going to be like, but they just don't know. And it'll be uh, it'll be a fascinating week for sure. So I'm excited that Rasul Douglas has agreed to do that because, one, he's a great guy. I think you're really going to enjoy hearing from him. And, two, it's going to be very interesting to hear what the behind-the-scenes is like. Second major announcement. The No Huddle Show is coming to Radio Row at the Super Bowl. We have locked down a table at Radio Row in Minneapolis. We're going to be in the media center every day. We're going to uh, be recording every morning. Um, So we'll have a podcast for you every day, which is fun. But not only that, Radio Row is one of the crazier places I've ever been in terms of a media sense. I mean, there's people walking all around. There's tons of different radio stations going on. So we're going to try our best to get you guests throughout the week. Uh, We already put a few calls in. Um, You never know who's going to pop up on Radio Row. Celebrities, athletes, uh, musicians, all types of stuff. So basically our plan is we're going to record for an hour a day. So we should have about an hour-long podcast for you every day. Um, And then on top of that, if we see someone that's walking by and we're able to land a guest, we'll bring them right on. So I would suggest if you're not – if you're listening to this on YouTube, we will be uploading them on YouTube as normal. But make sure that you subscribe. And you can do that in your app store, iTunes, however you listen to podcasts because we'll be having them come every day and they'll be up early. So you want to have that as soon as possible. So – Those are the two announcements. One, Rasul Douglas throughout the week on NJ.com is going to be talking about what it's like to be in the Super Bowl, what what the team's going through, staying at the hotel, practices, all those things. Two, lots of podcasts next week. We're going to have Radio Row. We're going to have guests. Matt's going to be back. We're going to shoot some video. So we'll have a ton of stuff for you, and a lot of it's going to be based on this podcast. But let's just kick this interview off because it's really good. I'm excited for you to hear it. I had a chance to talk to Rasul on Saturday, uh, just me and him, so it was good. So here is Rasul. Douglas, rookie uh, cornerback from the Eagles, talking about his journey from East Orange, New Jersey, to switching colleges, and to now being one week away from playing in the Super Bowl. So just my first question is, grew up in New Jersey, obviously. For those that don't know Jersey, what was East Orange like? Uh, You know, what was the community like? What was your neighborhood like? What did you like to do in your free time? Uh, East Orange was was a fun place, yet bad uh, gang, stuff like that, but it was fun, uh, grew up, met, met a few guys who still are my best friends to this day, uh, good coaches, uh, met a great mentor who, who helped me 
mm-hmm. throughout my whole life with uh, just doing the right things. So what made you get into football? I saw I read online you played basketball too, but uh, what, what, what was it about football that drew you to the game? Uh, actually, I was a baseball player. Oh, really? Uh, what position did you play? I played shortstop. Were you nice? Or, yeah, uh, I, was, I was pretty good. Yeah, you were pretty good? Yeah. And then uh, my junior high school uh, coach was telling me, come out and play. Mm-hmm. He was like, you keep saying you're going to come, but you never come. So I was like, all right, I'll just give it a shot. Uh, played junior year. I was okay. I was decent at safety. Uh, in senior year, I just, just got a lot better. Yeah. Uh, and then I started playing on the offensive side and getting the ball. And I remember a coach putting me on a, a junior college coach that I went to in Nassau. And he just told me, he was like, you're going to change the cornerback and you, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. He's like, just keep the same um, aggression you got. Uh, be you. Come there first, leave last type of guy, and you'll, you'll be fine. So when we've talked throughout the season – a word you use a lot is aggression when you talk about like you want to be physical out there. So is that what makes you love football? Because it seems like whenever we talk about it, that's what you bring up. And you just mentioned now like you like to be physical out there. Yeah, that, that's who I am. I, yeah. I say physical business a lot. And that's that's just me. I want to be a corner who can not just cover, but I come up and tackle as well because you got to be complete. And yeah. Coach here, he, he makes us tackle. And we do tackling drills all the time mm-hmm. because he knows nowadays people don't block the corners. They just feel like, all right, they're not going to make the tackle. So one-on-one with the running back, you make the miss. I just don't want to be that guy. Where do you think that mentality came from of, of you being aggressive? I mean, is that like something your family instilled in you? Like, I, I know you were one of seven kids, so yeah. I wanted you were one of seven <laughs> siblings. So I don't think it was that. I just think I like playing football, I always wanted to hit people. Mm. Um, growing up, I was a Brian Dawkins and Ed Reed fan. And okay. I, then I started liking Sean Taylor. I just like hitting people. What do you like about Dawkins? Because as you know, he's a legend around here. Yeah, he's he's one of the best to do it. But uh, just his passion he plays with. And you can see some guys play for certain re- reasons. And you could tell his reason was just because he loved football. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's who I am. I just love football. I love waking up, the early runs in the morning, lifting weights and, and stuff like that. So Was that hard to get into, like the discipline of doing that? I mean, getting up and running or just because you love it, it's easy to get up and running? It's, it's easy. So when we used to have them five o'clock, six o'clock runs, mm-hmm. I, I was up and ready to run, and it's just you gotta you gotta love that stuff. That that's that's what makes you you. Yeah, you know what I mean that makes you better. Like some people ain't willing to work, and me, I always grew up fit, thinking that somebody was always trying to outwork me, whether they was across the world, uh, they're up and I'm sleeping, and they're out trying to work me. So I just never want to be outworked. You might be better than me, but you're not gonna outwork me. Yeah. So Texas football, like. They kind of have a reputation for high school football, but people don't know, like, Jersey football is legit, and it's serious. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's it like? For people that don't know, I mean, what was it like being a high school football player in Jersey? Uh, we played great competition. It was great kids. I think some of the kids uh, took the wrong path. and mm-hmm. But Texas is a bigger state than Jersey. Yeah. I mean, we had that capacity. We'll probably be up there with, with the top guys, but yeah, we're, it's football players everywhere, I, I would say. So what was your college experience like? As in Nassau, West Virginia? Well, Nassau first, yeah. Nah, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, going through what I went through with uh, eating situation, living situation. I mean, football was fun. Um, well, you, so you mentioned it. I mean, the story that's kind of stuck with you is eating the McDonald's. Yeah. Like you would get a dollar menu and eat half for lunch or half for dinner later in the day. What was that like? I mean, were you living by yourself? Like what was what was living No, nah, actually we would live with like, <laughs> like 10, 11 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes, all teammates. Yeah, all teammates. Sometimes you were two up in a room, or if you was like maybe the guy, the older kid, sophomore going out. Yeah, you have the the single room. So, but I mean, you couldn't like leave anything in the refrigerator because if 
another guy was hungry. He would just eat it. You would never see. So, I mean, it was different. But then uh, my last year going in, I started working at McDonald's just so, like, when other people were hungry, they would come in. I would just make sure they were good. Yeah. And, like, just help them out as much as I can because I knew how it was. Is that what you thought college football would be like? I mean, I'm sure working in, you know, like, growing up playing high school ball in Jersey, you were probably like, all right, when I get to college, it's going to be. I mean, all the college stories <laughs> I hear, all I hear about is, yeah, you know, there's a lot of girls yeah, uh, yeah. play football at the <laughs> highest stage on TV, so... It was yeah. one of those, and then when I got there, it was like, this is not what y'all told me it was going to be like. But I guess getting to West Virginia, it was it was like what they said. So I read about some of your uh, like highlights and stuff at Nassau. I mean, it seemed like you killed it. So at what point did you realize, like, all right, I'm going to maybe move on from here? Uh, maybe when uh, Coach Fisher or Coach Pruitt called me, mm. uh, giving me an offer. That's from West Virginia? Uh, Coach Pruitt was from Georgia. Fisher okay. was from uh, Florida State. I guess when they called me and gave me an offer, it was like... Uh, things are getting working out because mm-hmm. I remember I would I would pray and I'd just be like man I'm killing people like yeah. but I went I wasn't having no offers or like D1 double A's would come to me and I'm like man I know I can play on the big stage like when is it gonna come then out of nowhere uh I lose my Facebook account and like I was trying to figure out my password for a f- few minutes and then when I finally found out my password I had to call some people from back home people I used to mess with who I, I figured might know it they told me my password, and I, I went on, and I started seeing, like, Florida was hitting me up on Facebook. I guess because it's the older mm-hmm. thing. So once that happened, I was like, man. You, did you used to think about that type of stuff happening, like, on those bus rides? Because I thought I read, like, it was a long bus ride for you, right, from Nassau to where you were living. When you were on those bus rides, what did you think about? Did you think about moments like that, like getting the scholarship offers, having your Facebook blown up with coaches? Definitely, man. I remember we went down to Georgia, and Georgia was the number one school. It had the number one running back uh Javon Robinson, he had he was already at Auburn and he had to leave go JUCO route. And I was down there playing him and I made a couple big plays. And I remember Auburn being on the sideline. They was like, man, what year are you? I was like, oh, this is my first year. And it was like, man, you're gonna be a hell of a player if you keep doing what you're doing. So I always figured I knew I could I could play there. Just when was it gonna come? Like when is the right time? So what was your experience like in West Virginia compared to your first college experience? I mean, now you're yeah you're playing in front of how many fans every week now? 30,000, 40,000, yeah. I mean, huge, right? So what was it like there? At West Virginia, it was it was crazy. Mm-hmm. I was in a town where they didn't care about nothing but football. Yeah. So it wasn't like, oh, the soccer team was good, the NFL team or the NBA team. It ain't nothing out there but Mountaineers. So just being around there was, was, was exciting. What was it like living out there? Oh, it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, easy living, nice. Everybody was quiet. Uh, drink a lot, but quiet. I <laughs> uh, met some great coaches who, who I still talk to to this day. One of the things that really stood out about your time in West Virginia to me was how often you were around the ball. Eight interceptions, eight knocked passes your last year. Where do you think that comes from? Is that just natural instincts? Is that just film study? Like, how do you think you got around the ball so much in West Virginia? Uh, I think kind of was natural and just, just being in the positions I practice, seeing them at practice. Yeah. And every time I would watch practices or film, I just look at a play and I'd be like, okay, they do that a lot. I can get a pick on that play if I do what I need to do, right? So sometimes I would bait the quarterback and throwing it, and then I'll just leave my guy and make a play. What's that feel like when you're on the field and you're like, you see it's coming, and then the ball comes your way and you catch it? What's that feel like? Is it hard to describe or? Ah, uh, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> you're hard. Smiling right because, now. Yeah, I am smiling because yeah. it, I could, I just seen like vision myself uh, doing it, but it's like you, you, you know it's coming. You just, you just got to catch it. Like the opportunity will present itself. So I remember, at TCU they kept running the, the pick route every time we was on third down. So coach told me like during the week he said. Like, you jump it, you'll get there. And we're in cover zero, so I'm like, if I jump it and I and I mess up and he run a double move, he got me. And I just looked back, I took my steps, 
I said, here it come. And I just planted, and I looked right at the quarterback. And the minute I looked back, the ball was right in my hands. Wow. So, Do you remember what your first experience was like with the Eagles, like when they first talked to you at West Virginia? Like, Yeah, I actually talked to them at the combine. I remember talking to them. And we just had a good conversation. I, I who was met, who was it? Do you I actually remember? met Brian Dawkins at the combine. Oh wow! Yeah, so he, that must have been a pretty surreal moment. It was, and we we kind of talked, and I was just like, man, I'm talking to one of the best to ever do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Childhood then, hero. Yeah, definitely. So he was just talking about football, and he talked to me about his family, my family as well as my situation and stuff. And then I met Coach Corey, and we talked about um, just uh, he was going to do a, a combine with me, basically pro day individual workout and he came up to west virginia and we worked out and he was just telling me how much he loved to coach me and i was like man i would love to play for philly it's right home so yeah what was it like when you heard you got drafted by the eagles when he when he called me i seen he he called you Corey. oh yeah the coaches called me when i seen the number i'm like pa number and philly had the next pick i was like is this it (laughs) and they called me and just told me and i was just so happy so i was like i mean me and him we've been talking for a while now and I worked out with him, so. Seems like you two are pretty close, you and Corey. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we, Corey Unley, by the way, for the yeah. secondary coach. Yeah, yeah we, we go at it a lot. And me and Rooms, he tells me to shut up and stuff. But he, he coaches. Mm-hmm. Like, he coaches his ass off all the time. Like, he wants us to be, like, right where we need to be to make a play. And I think that's the biggest thing of just being in position to make a play. Yeah. doesn't matter if you make it. As long as you're in position, you're giving yourself a chance. What's your personal relationship like with him? Do you guys, like, uh you talk like outside of the football. I mean, I think I saw on your Instagram once you guys were hanging out or he came over to your house or something like that. Uh, I went over his house actually okay, yeah. for Thanksgiving. Yep. Yeah. yeah so that must yeah. have been cool. I mean, to have yeah. that kind of relationship with your coach. Yeah, it is. He invited me over and came over. We just had fun with his family, uh, his son. And stuff. Mm-hmm. So. so it's kind of been a whirlwind season. I mean, you were the first game of the season, you were inactive, but then you start week four, I think it was, right against the Giants. Or was it week three was, was the Giants? Week, yeah, we yeah. The Giants. What was that like in your first start? <sighs> Crazy. Because yeah. the first game, I'm sitting there inactive. I'm like, I just got to keep working in practice uh, to get things done. And I remember right before the game, Darby comes up to me, man. He was like, man, you, you're, you're working. Like, don't think you're not. Like, at any moment, somebody can go down and, and you can be the guy to come up. And then he goes down. Yeah. So I was like, man, he just told me that, and now he's down, and I have to replace him. So I remember Fletcher Cock walking up to me. He punches me in my rib. He was like, man, get ready. So I was like, I, I, I will. And from then on, just, just kept working. So got in Kansas City game because uh, Jalen Watkins got hurt. And I made a couple of few plays, and my confidence started rising. And Giants, we, we was watching the playoff practice. And he and Coach Corey pointed out, he said, Rasul, you're going you gonna to get that interception right there if you do exactly what he's doing. And we watched, I think we watched him against Dallas in a corner. The ball was overthrown, but the corner had a chance to make an interception. He was like, you're going to make that one. And then I made it in the game. I ran right up to him, and he gave me a long hug. He was like, man, I told you that would be your play. Mm-hmm. So Then you had a long stretch there. I think you started like eight or nine games in a row. What was yeah. what was that stretch like? You guys were winning. You were playing great. The defense was good. What was that stretch like for you? Just just in a rhythm. Once I got my feet wet and I started feeling comfortable with what routes I can jump and knowing, and then watching the guys, Jalen Mills, uh, Patrick Robinson, seeing what they jump and when they take chances. Because it's a certain time where you can take a chance and when you can't, depending on what defense you're in. And just realizing. So I, I started getting more confident out there. I'm like, you know, we play man. So it's like it's you against them every play. And once my confidence rises and my competitive kicks in, like it always does, 
Yeah. I just feel like I'm gonna, I can do it. What's it like playing with Jalen and Ronald Darby and all those guys? It seems like of all the position groups, you guys are especially close. Yeah, yeah, we we talk all day. We're we're texting all the time. I'm watching film, going out to eat together. We do everything together. Like we're honestly brothers. Mm-hmm. So, but them watching them is it's crazy. Like they're like freak athletes. Like Darby, he's a he's a freak athlete. Yeah. Like. Just watching them do stuff, you'd be like, how did he do it? And we were watching the film, and Coach rewinded back, like, how did you do that? Like, what made you do that? And it's just, that's just in them. So I, I learn from them every, every day I'm watching film. I make sure I watch them too and then watch the play over again just to see how they played it. Is that, it is that one of the biggest differences in the NFL? Because, I mean, Jalen Mills, like you said, is a great athlete, but he wasn't even regarded as a great athlete coming out. Yeah. Like, is that one of the differences between coming to college and the pros, how much more athletic everyone is? Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, you, you can always get better. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. So then when Darby's back, you go back to the bench. What was that like? Was uh, it that was, tough? It was, it, was, it was tough because I felt like I gave everything I had out there and I felt like I, I showed the coaches that I, I can play out there. And now it was like, well – we don't need you anymore. That's that's what I was kind of feeling in my in my. But I just knew, like, I mean, that was his spot before he got hurt. So now that he's back 100, percent it's only right to give it back to him. And I supported him just like he supported me. He texted me every day when he was injured. He was making sure that I knew what I was doing, what my job was. So he stayed into me, and and I and I love Darby, man. That, that's my brother. So I'm supporting him. I'm behind him, mm-hmm. and we just work to get each other better. So. So the locker room, not just a DB, seems especially close. And, like, we always see you guys on, like, Snapchat and Instagram and all that. <laughs> what was uh, what was the scene like in the Vikings after you guys beat the Vikings? What was that like? I mean, just oh, we... take me from, like, you wake up that morning. I mean, the stadium, I've covered the team for five years. The stadium was crazy that day. Like, what was it like running out on that field? It was electrifying. Like, everyone was going crazy. And then when they played the Meek Mill, yeah. and we turned up. Because we had just turned up to that, that song uh, maybe on Saturday when Foot played it on the, uh, on the mic. So... When that came on and the stadium just started going crazy, I mean, we knew he was going to win. We yeah. just had it not. We we're going to kill him. And that was the whole message the whole week, talking to the guys who have won Super Bowls. And so that they, it, it comes down to plays. Like, once you lock in and, and realize the moment, you just play hard. So. Yeah. What was it like in the locker room afterwards? We just turned on some music, <laughs> just having fun, yeah. Instagram Live, just, just having fun. And that's what it's all about. I mean, we get paid to play football. Yeah. Like, you know how many people hate their jobs? Like, <laughs> We get paid to do something we love doing. We just have fun with it. So has it set in yet? You're going to the Super Bowl? <laughs> I mean, we leave tomorrow. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely set in. Uh, yeah. what, what's at stake? What are you most looking forward to for the week? I mean, it's, I've, so I, this will be my fourth Super Bowl I've been to. Like, the week oh. is crazy. Like, yeah. it's going to be wild. So what are you most looking forward to? Like, what have people told you about it? Like, Chris Long, Malcolm Jenkins. They just told me it's, it's, a, it's a regular game, but it's, it's hyped up. So you just got to stay in the moment and just and stick to the little things. The little things is what always wins game. Don't try to make a play that's not meant for you to make. Make the plays that come to you. And that's all they tell them. And I'm looking forward to, at the end of it, being on top with the confetti falling down. and being a Super What's, Doug been saying? What's Doug been saying to you guys? He's just been he, – he, I think he, understand, he understands who we are as a team. So he just knows, like, this, this is how we are. We're always having fun. It's, it's, a, it's another game. It's the next game. It's another game. Mm-hmm. We just got to go out there and do what we always do. Do you have any family coming to the game? Yeah, I have, I have family coming. Who you, who you, who's all coming? My aunt, my brother, and my sisters. That yeah. must be a cool experience for them. I mean, Super yeah. Bowl tickets, you know, it's hard to come by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. But they're going to be coming. Yeah. What, have you thought about what it's going to feel like to run out on that field for Super Bowl Sunday at that stadium? I can't. I don't think I can picture it right now. Mm-hmm. I think I'll just have to wait till the moment hits me and I'm just running out like. 
Wow, we're here. Well, look, we really appreciate you taking the time coming on the podcast. Uh, we're going to be sir. talking to you throughout the week. So I'm excited to hear what Super Bowl week's going to be like and all that. So I appreciate it. Yes, sir. I appreciate it, too. So there it is, our interview with Rasul Douglas. And I think there were a few main takeaways for me after uh, the interview ended. The first was the amount of film work he does. And he's a guy that when you heard about him coming out, maybe it's because people talk so much about the film work Sidney Jones does that it wasn't something with Rasul that it was highlighted. You heard that he was long, he was a playmaker, he was athletic, he was physical. You didn't hear about the film he watched, but you could see it there. I mean, we'll hear it there in that interview. A lot of his interceptions and plays he makes come from film study. It's a combination of film study, having confidence, and then being willing to go out there and just do it. Because he mentioned, like, you know, sometimes if he knows there's nobody behind him, but he's confident he can make that jump, he's going to do it. And that's how big plays are made. And Rasul has made a lot lot of them this year for the Eagles. And to be honest, he was a guy that I was a little skeptical of just because he didn't play a lot of uh, press coverage in uh, in college, but the Eagles haven't played as much press this year. They played a lot more off the ball, which Rasul is more comfortable with, or at least was um, at West Virginia. So that was one of my main takeaways. The other one was you could kind of, I hope it came across when you heard it, but he was, I think he was genuinely frustrated when he was put back down to the bench um, when Darby came back because he had been playing really well. And again, like I always talk about on this podcast, when I get something right, I'll say it. When I get something wrong, I'll say it. I was wrong about Rasul. He's had more of an impact this year than I thought. And when he came back, I'm sorry, when Darby came back, I thought it was making a bit of a mistake at the time to just take Rasul out. Because one, you preach competition. Two, he was playing really well. And three, they were they were clicking. I mean, the defense was playing great. And Darby struggled at first. Uh, but he has since played very well, as I've said. I mean, that his game against the Falcons was really good. Played great against the Vikings. And Darby's playing at a high level. But at the time, I did think it was a bit of a risk and a bit of a mistake to switch. And Rasul felt that. And I don't see how you couldn't. I mean, you know, think of the excitement he was going through every week. He's playing at a high level, this number one team in the NFC, to going to the bench. And that, that's got to be tough. Um, so I thought that was one of my takeaways. But third, the third one was, and fans love to talk about this, and with good reason. Sometimes it can be a little bit of a sports cliche, like, oh, the locker room's really tight, or like, man, they really play for their head coach. But of my five years covering the NFL and covering the Eagles, um, more than that, actually. Wow. But of my years covering the Eagles, this is the first time I think you can really apply those those terms to this team. I mean, they play for Doug. They love each other. And you heard it. Rasul said, like, he went to Corey Unlin's house for Thanksgiving. I mean, think about that. Like, how many of you guys went to a co-worker's house for Thanksgiving? So that really speaks how close they are. And just from following them on Snapchat and Instagram and all that stuff, they really hang out all the time. I mean, Rasul Douglas seems like every night he's got a teammate over his house. They're playing Madden. They're doing something. You see the receivers hanging out a lot. And I think that that's, you know, what what Douglas said. Like, they feel like they're family. They feel like they're brothers. They feel like they're a really tight-knit group. And uh, I think that, that that came across in the interview. So I really hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I know one thing we get a lot in our comments is we want we want you guys to have guests. It's not always as easy as it sounds, unfortunately, just because of other obligations we have and all that stuff. But after doing that, I mean, it's very rewarding to, to be really be able to sit down with the player for like a half hour and get to know him. So I think that was uh, very good. I hope you guys enjoyed it. But going forward, as I started off the podcast, what uh, start off the podcast with. Radio Row next week. We fly into Minnesota Sunday. We're going to do our first show on Monday. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. 
New podcast every day. Hopefully have some guests for you. You'll be able to hear the buzz, the craziness, and we'll have videos. So check out nj.com slash eagles because we'll have videos for you every day. Every day, I'm sure me and Matt will be tweeting them out. It would not be a podcast if I didn't update you with where we are in the reviews. So you know we're trying to get to 500. Um, we're hoping to reach that by the Super Bowl. We're at 474 right now. So we're we're 26 away. We need 26 reviews in a week. Um, hopefully all the content we bring you next week will do that. Um, so hope you enjoyed it. Unfortunately, Matt wasn't here, but Matt will be here all next week. So don't worry. You'll be hearing plenty of Matt and his takes coming up. Um, so thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure you leave us a review, subscribe, and look forward to everything we're going to be bringing you over this next week. We'll